Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here, and we are back with another amazing episode of Amazing Business Radio. And I'm very excited about today's guest because we have a best-selling author uh, that we're going to be talking to about his newest book. And uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, as always, a couple of quick announcements. If you've got an amazing story you want to share or a question you want to ask, you can find me in any of the social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. <sighs> you know where they are. They're everywhere. And just use the hashtag if you have a question, Ask Shep. And I'll make sure I answer the question either right there or um, on this show, or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, uh, C-Suite. And you know what? We've moved season one now to YouTube. So you can go to beamazing.tv and by golly, watch our episodes there. All right, time for our amazing interview. And we have a repeat offender of the show, actually a repeat guest. Uh, and that is Robert Glaser, who is the CEO of Acceleration Partners. Now, I have been subscribing to uh, Bob, or let's call him Robert, since that's the official author name, although I know him as Bob. It's going to be hard for that me. That is going to work, yeah. It's going to work, though. Uh, I've been a subscriber to Friday Forward, which is an amazing weekly, obviously every Friday, type of uh, e-newsletter that's filled with tips and motivation. Just love it, love it, love it. And he has compiled the best of the best and has brought it out in a new book. And imagine this title, Friday Forward. So, uh, Robert, welcome to the show, man. It's great Thanks, to have Jeff. you back. It's good to be back. So, you know, I don't love to do these long introductions where I have all these accolades, but I'm going to tell you, as we record this show, which is about uh, not even a few weeks before people will hear it, uh, you just came out this week with another number one book. Yeah, it was sort of an... <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Congratulations. So first, real quick, the 30-second version, quick background on you and your company. Yeah, so Acceleration Partners, we are a marketing agency, and we help uh, large organizations build affiliate uh, or what's called partner marketing programs. So partnerships really core to to everything that we do and relationships are core to what we do. So we do that with some big, big global brands and they have programs that have hundreds or thousands of people in there that only get paid for activities they do that drive uh, an outcome to the brand. Excellent, excellent. And you wrote this newest book titled, not the Friday Four, but the one that as to, uh, oh, yeah. today so, is so, number so, one. So making virtual teams uh, work. Yeah, it's so, it's so new. I got to practice the, the, the title and, um, you know, we were sitting there in the middle of COVID. We've been remote uh, organization for over 10 years and we've been fortunate to win a lot of best place to work awards and figured out sort of how to, how to make that work. And I was giving a presentation a lot about this remote work and the concepts and then people wanted more details. And I was talking to my, my publisher and I said, you know, the market kind of wants this now. I wonder if we could turn the presentation into a book. And they said, let's, let's do it and see if we can get it out in 90 days. And uh, so I, you know, it's a, you set a date and then you're, we committed to it. I think it's the fastest book they've ever. I can't, I was out. just going to say yeah. 90 days. And who's your publisher? Uh, source books, which is part of, and simple truths, which is part of source books. I love simple truths. And, and yeah. here's the thing. 
people don't realize 90 days, it takes 90 days from when they decide they want to do a book for you to finish the paperwork <laughs> and the contracts, let alone. Yeah, I think the, the contract might have been done after the book went live or the night before. I was like, sure, we have the, the contract done. Yeah, we parallel processed and look, they're, they're, they're smaller and innovative. And I give them a lot of credit around, you know, figuring out that, you know, a, a book on remote work a year from now would not be as helpful to people who are really trying to figure it out. Um, right now. So we just, we focused on getting it out uh, on ebook since, you know, it's the paper stuff that really slows things down, the distribution and, and the, the response has been far beyond what I could have expected. Right. I mean, it started out number one in HR on the first day, but now it's like, it, it's like in the top books of all books being sold which yeah. is, is pretty crazy. So congratulations. But we're here to talk about Friday Forward. And why don't you give us like a general synopsis of what the book's about? I want to drill down uh, into the areas of culture and customer service and experience, sure. but the overall general synopsis of the book. Right. Well, you gave the background. So Friday Forward started as a note to my team. It kind of started then going out of my company uh, to other people. And it actually led me to write my book, Elevate, which was about capacity building and sort of took the themes of Friday Forward into a into improvement uh, framework. Um, I had actually written this book originally and, and before all the agents said, no, you can't write a compilation book. But so timing's kind of everything. And, but what I was able to do was tie all these stories up to the themes of, of capacity building around spiritual, intellectual, physical, uh, and emotional. So if people like the capacity building framework, you can either kind of read the framework and how to do it, or you can read these stories, which give you real world examples of people um, doing this stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, five years into this, and I think several hundred of them, I, I decided to pull together uh, the 52 that had really resonated the most with people. And, and, and that's what the book is. So, and the book, by the way, um, is coming out today. So, yeah. uh, and when I say today, it's the day this episode releases. We this. just we are, bumped we somebody. Future. We're seeing the future here. To put, yeah, we're looking <laughs> into the future. And on September 1st, 2020, which actually is about two weeks from today. Yeah, uh, don't remind me. <laughs> but uh, uh, on that day, this episode is actually released. So right now, go get the book, Amazon.com. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Get Friday forward today, even though it's not Friday. It's Tuesday. But get it anyway. <laughs> or you can All get right. it by Friday, but Tuesday is better. That's fine. That's fine. Anyway, I know it's going to be another bestseller. Congratulations. Great book. So let's jump into some of the nuggets of this book as it applies to, let's talk about culture, because that's a big topic that seems to resonate with our listeners throughout all the different guests that we have. Yeah, and culture is, um, is a part of all of it. So, you know, I, I think one of the key stories, and it's actually the first story in the book that actually starts with um, a story that, uh, a research thing that Adam Grant did around the Holocaust and why non-Jews worked to save Jews during the Holocaust and what was different about them than other people. And when they got into the study, it was basically that the parents had taught them very specific values that they had been able to apply in that situation. And to me, that's the, that's the, that is the quintessential example of culture, right? Organizations that really have, and people that have consistent values that make decisions on those values. And you don't need a lot of rules when, 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 when you have those values. So I think there's lots of uh, stories about that. And there's a couple of stories in the book really where, you know, either whether it's people, organizations or families really led with consistent values that were the behavior that they rewarded in that, whatever that unit was. 
All right. So I want to, uh, this is great because I never thought of it this way. When people ask for my background, how do they get involved in customer service? I go back to when I was 12 and my parents taught me really three or four valuable lessons when I started my birthday party magic show business yeah. about saying thank you, getting feedback, calling and making sure they were happy with the show, finding out what tricks they liked the best. And yeah. I didn't realize that's feedback, process improvement, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> but, and, and then, you know, I started doing that and it's like, hey, this works. And my parents taught me this. So what you're saying is that leaders, uh, many of them come up with the values and their vision for the company based on when they were a kid and their parents were teaching them or maybe showing them by wrong example and they realized it, what's right. But it all starts when you're a kid. A lot of things, I talk about a lot of things tied to early formative experience. A lot of companies have look BS values and mm-hmm. integrity and this. If you have real values though, they should be very differentiated principles that you believe in. And oftentimes if you look back to your childhood, it is something that you are really striving to be the same as or, or to do different from something that you felt was what, what was wrong. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I think that it actually is the rare company that the value should be this alignment between what you actually believe, what you say, and what the employees do, right? That's actually real culture. And a lot of companies, they say a bunch of stuff that no one does, and I'm not sure they even believe it. So Repeat that again, because I think that's, that's a tweetable moment here. Yeah, that, 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 that there's alignment. Great culture is alignment between what you believe, what you say, and what your people do. Like, those should be in alignment. That's a great culture. It's not for everyone. I always say, I think we have a great culture at AP, but it's for about 2% of the people because we've identified a very specific set of values that we're serious about. And not everyone has, and not everyone has all three and wants to live by those. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of Tony Shea from Zappos.com. Yeah. Uh, Tony has these 10 core values. One of them is, you know, we want you to be a little weird. And, you know, I just love that because what they're looking for is the quirkiness in people. By the way, that quirkiness may be what doesn't get you hired at another company, but they right. embrace and it. And there you come in in your straight lace suit and stuff. It's probably not the place for you, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I, to me, I think the company culture just needs to be authentic and you need to try to attract, it's like a relationship, the person who's actually drawn to that which is why I think it's a mistake to portray these elements that aren't really you. If you're a competitive athlete and you want a super competitive cutthroat culture, there's plenty of people like that. Just don't say you value teamwork when that's not true. Say we value competition first and foremost, and you'll get people that want to come do that. Right. Now, here's what I want to go back. You said we learned some of this when we were kids from our parents and a lot of the way we were brought up. So I, I'm now having this vision in my mind of what Tony Shea's parents were like yeah. <laughs> to be able to create a guy where he incorporates weirdness into his company. But it could have been so. So, But again, like I said, people I have found I am not a psychologist, but when you get into this stuff, it gets pretty deep with people. It actually could have been the opposite for him. Right. It could have been he was like that and he was rejected everywhere for being like that. So he determined he was going to build a company that rewarded that. I actually, that's probably a more likely story that he felt like an outcast than his parents rewarded being weird. Yep. But you know what? It could have, that's why I mentioned earlier that sometimes it's the opposite behavior. It's like, I didn't like what my parents said or did or how they treated me, which is why I ended up the way I'm, but I still learned it as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's take a short break. We come back. We're going to shift over to the service and experience side of things. You are listening to Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Robert Glazer, the CEO 
of Acceleration Partners and the number one best-selling author of a brand new book that's coming out Friday Forward. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases or cults. And good news, I've revised and updated the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, is available for purchase now. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a customer-focused culture, a cult of the customer. So, what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com. Go there today and order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists. The cult of the customer. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Robert Glazer about the new book, Friday Forward. So let's shift to the customer service and experience world. Uh, you have a great story that you share in the book. Yeah. And uh, you, if you can tell it or tell us about tell you, it. You'll get the longer version. So uh, it, it's a bonus. But yeah, this was actually sent to me by a reader with, with a picture. And I, and I, and I loved it. And it's, it's, it's on the being excellent. And I always like stories around excellence. So the story is that this guy, Daniel, lives in the Northeast and he's got a, a boiler, uh, which is, you know, we, for those of you who live in the South, that's how we get our, get our heat up here uh, and, uh, in, in the winter. And it's, and it's November, and it's starting to get a little cold. And he's got one of these annual service plans through a big national company. And he calls them up to do their annual inspection. And they come in, and they say, look, you know, there's a little piece off here. Uh, we're not comfortable about that, so we're going to replace it under your plan. But we're going to turn off your uh, furnace for a couple of days just from a risk standpoint since, since we saw it. It's a gas, gas furnace. Um, so he says, okay. He, you know, he doesn't hear from them for, for a couple of days. Uh, then they send someone out. Guy comes in his house, goes downstairs, uh, you know, spends, spends an hour, comes back up. He's like, I can't fix it. I don't know what's wrong with it. Leaves. Uh, leaves his house. Daniel then goes into the, the, the bathroom later and finds that he left a present for him uh, in his toilet, uh, which is another thing. So, he, Oh, boy. Yeah. I... So he, 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 he leaves without fixing it. So we're, we're now we're a couple of days later. He's chasing the company down. It's starting to get really cold. They call him back and they say, uh, yeah, your, your, your furnace is unfixable. Um, so not only do you need a new furnace, but because it's unfixable, we're voiding your service plan and sort of good luck. And I think now this is like a Thursday, it's getting cold. He, he picks up the phone, is a local plumber named Jason Green he's worked with, calls Jason, tells him the problem. Uh, I think actually it was a Friday because he, he said, Jason said, you know what, I'll try to come over tomorrow morning and, and see what I can do. So, so know, he's going to come over on a Saturday. On a Saturday. Probably yeah. his day off. On his day off. Yeah. yeah. On, a, on his day off. So, so Jason comes over the next morning and um, the only thing we don't have here is the picture. And he, 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 he he's he a plumber. He, he's a plumber. So he told him, so I can him only the, imagine by the way, what the picture looks like. If yeah. I think of a plumber, what's the picture? Yeah. yeah just the pants falling the pants. down. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so J Jason, uh, so he told Jason the problem over the phone. Jason's like, I, I might know what it is. I'll come over on Saturday and he's not, you know, he's, he's a plumber. He's not an HVAC. There's some, there's some crossover. So, so comes over, goes downstairs, $50 part later, he has the thing working. Um, 
you know, puts like booties on, you know, leaves the house nice and clean. And, and, and Daniel's basically outside looking at his truck when, when he's doing this, he sees the, do the doors open and the pictures on my website of this and the story is this meticulously organized truck with stuff filed and rows and you could eat off it. And in the door, there is the quote from Aristotle painted on the thing that says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is a habit. Excellence is an act, not a habit. And, and, and so he sent that to me saying, it, you know, it's, it is not surprising that someone who operated his business, you know, in that fashion, who came over on a Saturday morning, got fixed in a half hour after he was told that he was out, you know, $10,000 solved the, solve the problem. Wow. So I, it amazes me that the big company and then the way they treated this customer, you know, yeah. their customer, it's ridiculous. Um, it, uh, how you can say, we're going to turn off your furnace in November as it starts to get cold. We'll get back to you in a few days, but don't turn it off. Leave it on. Then come back and fix it. It's, it's yeah. Well, that's a great story with a good punchline, if you will. Uh, the Aristotle line, well-known. Not a lot of plumber. If you're picturing plumbers, you know, crack, you do not find a lot of Aristotle quotes on the inside of, of plumbing right. trucks. However, if you pull this pants down a little further, it's actually <laughs> tattooed on his right cheek. No, I, that is a visual we won't go with. So what's the lesson that we can derive from this? Yeah, I mean, the, this is a theme throughout it. That just the, the value of doing the little things well seems to seems to add up. There's another story called World Class. I'll have the I'll have the person actually in it on my uh, launch event, one of the top VCs in the country, and it's this story. But she had this internship uh, in the in the dean's office, making coffees and getting donuts, and just because of her father so focused on excellence with her, just did that internship so well that it led to a massive break for her. Uh, one day that sort of led to her career. And, you know, you, you have choices, I, I think, every day in, in, in your actions with people to, to, to do something well or to do it not well. I mean, I, I, one, of the, you know, one of the things I just realized, there was an email I was pushing to send out to someone um, a week or two ago, and it was like late on a Friday, and I, I, I was sort of tired, and I, and I was like, I want to get it out, and, and, and I was rushing. And then I went back to, to, to send it to another person. And I realized that I left some hanging residual part of another, you know, email in it. And I just, that, like, that's something I really try not to do. I, like, I might have changed that, I might have ruined my whole perception of that person with me. Like, they might be like, was he trying to tell me he was talking to the other person? Was he playing games? Was he, so I just, I, I really think in the, I just think that we have ability to, to, to just make all the little things we do really excellent, which, which, you know, creates a pretty vicarious circle quickly. All right, so back to this email. You sent something in the email you didn't want to send. Yeah. What did you do? I, I just noticed that this morning, like a week and a half later. <laughs> and so, all right, you know, what is the, what I'm, then I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do? Uh, I haven't thought about it yet. Um, not, maybe they didn't see it or, or maybe I'll, you know, apologize for it. Um, but I'm not, uh, the person write me a note, wrote me a nice note back uh, before when they, when they got the information I sent, but it's just that I had, I had also sent it to another person, which they can now see. Um, okay. So, yeah. So it you made it, you made it, might've, it might've felt impersonal to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked a little, it looked a little impersonal. It looked a little template. It wasn't anything wrong, but, but, and looks what we do all the time. And I'm really careful with that stuff. You, um, it didn't hit your own personal standard of excellence. Not hit my own personal standard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember at the time I just, it was five 30 and I wanted to get out before the weekend and I just, I just rushed it. Yep. 
and there's a lesson there, you know, you, you can't rush. There's no such thing as perfection. I mean, maybe there is an isolated incidences you get the, but total perfection is not reality, yeah. but what we try to do to achieve it. And I don't remember the exact quote, but Vince Lombardi, the football yeah. coach used to talk about, quotes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, about how perfection it's the pursuit of perfection that creates excellence. Yeah. And look, perfect. This is an interesting discussion because I think perfection is, is, is totally debilitating for a lot of people. Right. So I, ex, excellence and perfection are not, if you're going to, for perfection, I, I, if you've had perfectionists on your team, they often get one thing done a week or a day. So <laughs> I, I think that, 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 that is not the goal, but just, I always, I always feel like it's the basic, I've tried to train employees or what, you know, some bad client service stuff. Like it's kind of like, would you put the, it's like the third grade. Are you, are you proud of your name on that paper that you're turning in? And if you're not, then don't turn it in. Yeah. But now I will tell you, I have a friend from high school, Richard Goldstein. I haven't seen him really since high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, I called it the Richard Goldstein syndrome. This was one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And I'm still sure he's, because I hear things, he's still a very smart dude. <laughs> and he used to get ready to turn in his paper. And I'll never forget Mr. Wells, our English teacher in like seventh grade. Uh, he goes to turn it in and he stops and he looks at it and he says, no, nah, I can't turn it in yet. And Mr. Wells says, if you turn it in tomorrow, whatever grade I give you, I'm going to drop it by one letter grade. Now, I will bet that that paper was an A, okay? Yeah. But the next day it became a B. And I'm telling you, this is the truth. He goes to turn it in the next day. He goes, hold on. And Mr. Wells says, if you don't give it to me now, yeah. I'm dropping you another letter grade, okay? By the time he was done, he got an F. Right, this and is the software engineer who never releases the product because it's not good enough, right? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. That's a great analogy because, and, and, and I think to myself, wow, perfection's not reality. And, it, and granted, we want to get it as close as we can. If Bill Gates uh, was waiting for perfection, where would we be right now? Yeah. You know, because there's still bugs in that darn Microsoft software. That so, all right. Just a few more moments uh, left in our show here. Can you give us another nugget or two uh, before we roll on and I ask you that final question? Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the other things that I, uh, there's a theme throughout the book. There's a story on Ed Sheeran. I, I love debunking the myth of the overnight success. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think if you've listened to how I built this podcast at all, like I think one of the best parts about that is you're hearing this billion dollar company and you're just hearing like those make or break, you know, business was out of business decisions or weeks, or I, I think everyone goes through those. And it's just a question during those moments of whether you're going to push through or not. And I, I just still haven't found one of these companies that, that doesn't have one of these existential crisis um, stories. And, and, but when the story about the company is told, those are always sort of uh, left out. Um, it just seems like I don't know, maybe we tell ourselves that because we want to believe that, you know, it's not that hard or oh, they just got so lucky. They started the company and it was worth a billion dollars. But every time I've dug into one of these stories and there was one about Ed Sheeran, I mean, Ed Sheeran is unbelievably talented, right? And Ed Sheeran, for those that don't know, is? Musician. Yeah, world-class mm -hmm. musician. He, it took him seven years to get discovered. He left his house. He made himself homeless and, and sort of would play in London and sleep on the subway station, went to the U.S. on a one-way ticket. I mean, he played 500 shows for free, but, and, and, and before he got his, 
his break. And he has a ton of talent. <laughs> you know, you, you listen to him. So there are a lot of people out there with, with, with talent, but, but it really is that, that sort of perseverance and that will that, that I think separates it. So, and, and as it applies to, if I'm dealing with a customer, um, you know, crisis situation, am I, you know, yeah, everyone has them, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're make or breaks they're, yeah. and they're make or breaks for the relationships. And what happens is when you recognize that you made it because maybe you had to sacrifice a little, spend a little more time, work on a Saturday, whatever yeah. it is, then it makes a difference. And the customers come back and the customers start talking to you. And all of a sudden you look down the road or look back. It's been, you know, I've been in business five years and you know what? I'm successful. And what did it take? Five, seven years, whatever, to become yeah, an overnight and, and, and think about it. Most companies have, when they're smaller, have a customer concentration issue. So they probably had this existential moment with a customer who was 40% of their business where they could lose it, where if they didn't solve that, they were, they were out of business. So yep. I, I would guess a lot of businesses' existential moment is, is, is with a customer. And, and you, you, you know, you're going to have it. And look, if you have that sort of customer concentration, you want to build your personal capital with them before you before you need it. I, I always think it's crazy how many people have crazy high customer concentration and not giving that customer the love that they would need because they can't afford to lose them. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're down to the final question. What's the one thing, the one extra nugget you want to leave with us? If you want to pull it from the book, that's great. But what do you want to leave our listeners today? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my quote, a quote that I love that's a synopsis of a lot of what we talked about today, but it's, uh, I heard it once in a yoga class and I attributed for years to a yoga teacher until I figured it was actually, I learned it was actually more popular than that. But it's <laughs> how you do anything is how you do everything. Ooh, how you do anything is how you do everything. And who can we attribute it to? I don't know. You know, I, one of the things, Shep, I've learned in my books is that even the qu quote attributions are all like 50% wrong. Did you know, Aristotle in, really say that about it? No, I actually think that, 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 that actually I used that quote and they said, no, it was said before him or he used it or so, so most quote attributions are wrong. So I stopped, I stopped making them. Well, that's great. I love that quote though. Uh, say that again, how you do how anything. You do, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, love it. And those are the kinds of things you will learn when you pick up this new book, Friday Forward. Go to Amazon, get it. It comes out today. It's not too late to get it. Uh, Robert Glazer, thank you so much for being on the show. Chef, thanks for having me back. All right, everybody, another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And that was an amazing interview. We'll be back next week with another one. So until then, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>